When you think of the weapons of World War II, you probably think of bolt-action rifles and submachine guns, P-52 Mustangs and Sherman tanks. So when you hear of a British officer in World War II running into battle with an English longbow on his back and a Scottish broadsword in his hand, you might think he's a madman. And you might be right. I'm Jake Barton. Welcome to Historium. Episode 5, Mad Jack Churchill. John Malcolm Thorpe Fleming Churchill was born in Salem, India, a colony of the British Crown, in 1902, a time where it was apparently common to have way too many names. His father was a British official, serving in many capacities in several different British colonies. He took his family with him wherever he went, but eventually they decided to move the family back to England in 1917. Jack attended the Royal Military College in Sandhurst, and joined the storied Manchester Regiment when he graduated. He and his regiment served in Southeast Asia in Burma and Calcutta in the early 30s. In 1932, during leave, Churchill rode from Burma to Pune, India on his motorcycle. It should also be noted that this is a 1,500-mile trip, and there were no roads between Calcutta and Pune in 1932. He returned several months later with a slight limp telling a riveting story of a water buffalo attack. But by this point in his life, no one doubted him. He left the army in 1936, working as a newspaper editor and a male model. However, he grew restless in peacetime, as many military men do. He began practicing bagpipes and archery in his spare time, and actually became quite skilled in each. He also found work as a movie extra, because of his skill with the bagpipes, he was given a small part in the British film A Yank at Oxford. While all of this was going on, Churchill was becoming an incredible marksman with the longbow. He even represented Britain at the 1939 World Archery Championship in Norway, adding to his already impressive resume. However, when the ugly shadow of war spread across Europe once again, Jack Churchill decided that England had enough newspaper editors and models and movie extras. What it needed was soldiers. He re-enlisted right as the Nazis were invading Poland. He is quoted as saying, The country seems to have gotten itself in a jam in my absence. He was a part of the British Expeditionary Force sent to aid France from the coming German Blitzkrieg. He somehow convinced a general to let him bring his bow. For weeks, he and his regiment were stationed in a medieval-era tower overlooking a road in Belgium. One gloomy day, a group of German scouts appeared on the road heading their way. The soldiers in the tower stomped out their cigarettes and grabbed their rifles. Peeking around one of the windows of the tower, they could see a small band of Germans getting closer. Churchill pulled a barbed arrow from his quiver. He held his longbow out the window and aimed down at the German in the front. The rest of the regiment looked dumbfounded as he actually pulled back the bowstring. In a scene that could have come from over a thousand years ago, an arrow flew from a stone tower and hit an enemy below. The German sergeant fell to the ground, the barbed arrow sticking out of his upper chest, a pool of blood forming beneath him. The other Germans panicked and fled, probably wondering if anyone would actually believe them when they told of how their sergeant died. 
The Germans eventually pushed back hard, forcing the British to retreat back to the English Channel. The British Expeditionary Force would send night raids back to cover their retreat. Jack Churchill volunteered for everyone he could, and started to earn the nickname of Mad Jack. In the summer of 1940, the British were forced to retreat back to the British Isles. There were rumors of a new elite company of men that was being formed, called the Commandos. Information was vague, but combat was ensured. Whatever a commando was, Mad Jack Churchill was determined to be one. There's no doubt that killed a German officer with an English longbow was a great thing to have on a resume that you were sending to the British Special Forces. Churchill was accepted into the commandos in 1941. Jack took to the commandos like a duck to water. They trained in the Scottish locks for much of the winter. In his time training in Scotland, he met Rosamund Denny, who he would marry within the year. It was during this time that he also began training with a Scottish broadsword. He continued his commando exercises with his sword on his hip. Their intense training ended on Christmas Day, 1941. He left Scotland with both a Scottish wife and a Scottish sword. His first mission as a commando was a raid on a German garrison at Visago in Norway, near the Norwegian town of Nordfjord, which happens to be in my list of top 10 coolest town names. During the raid, he stood at the front of the landing craft, playing his bagpipes as loud as he could. When they reached the shore, Mad Jack Churchill gently laid down his pipes, drew his sword, let out a vicious war cry, and charged into the fog of war. The garrison fell quickly. Churchill and the commandos took a hundred prisoners and freed seventy of their own, all with minimal casualties. Churchill celebrated the victory with a bottle of wine that he liberated from the captured German officers. The commandos weren't planning on staying long, so they began planting demolition charges. But the commandos could have used a little more demolition training. The wall Mad Jack Churchill was standing against suddenly exploded. The rest of the commandos had to pull him out of the rubble, fearing the worst. He was covered head to toe in blood, but they were pleasantly surprised when they found out it was just his liberated wine that had exploded on him. A bit of the bottle had slashed his forehead, but that was the extent of his injuries. When he returned home, he was awarded a military cross and the British equivalent of a Purple Heart. He later joked that he had to touch up his wound with Rosamond's lipstick in order to better play the part of a wounded war hero. At the medal ceremony, he was asked by a general about the Scottish broadsword, which he was currently wearing. In his classic Mad Jack fashion, he replied, In my opinion, sir, any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed. A few months later, Churchill led a group of commandos when they made joint landfall in Salerno, Italy with the U.S. Army Rangers, beginning the Allied invasion from the Mediterranean. They took the beach with minimal effort, but the Italians mounted a swift counterattack. They found themselves acting as line infantry, something neither the commandos or the rangers were designed for. Casualties were heavy, but they managed to fend off the Axis attack. Reinforcements arrived so they could return to their usual role as a quick strike force. Churchill volunteered to scout ahead near the town of Piegoletti, he, along with another daring comrade, approached the town in the night. Churchill was armed only with his sword. He saw a cigarette light a few dozen yards ahead. He slowly crept up behind the smoking crowd. 
By the time the German soldier realized what was happening, he had a sword to his throat, held by a man who seemed to know how to use it. He spoke a little German and told the man to hand over his weapons and to not make a sound. The German nodded nervously and relinquished his weapons. Jack handed off the prisoner to his partner. They then moved to the next sentry post. Churchill told the captive German to call for the sentry. Lulled into a sense of security by the voice of his captive comrade, the German soldier nearly browned his trousers when he saw a man with a sword holding his buddy hostage. He surrendered immediately. They repeated this process about a dozen times, and by the end of the night, they had captured 42 German soldiers, all without firing a single shot. Churchill and his partner escorted the Germans back to the Allied lines. Somewhere, an old German is telling his grandson about how he and his whole company were taken captive by a man with a sword, and the kid probably doesn't believe him. In early 1942, Madjak and the British commandos were sent to aid the Yugoslavian army in an island-hopping campaign in the Adriatic Sea. That's the one on Italy's eastern shore. The commandos were extremely successful in their raiding of the island bases. The last base they took in a valley on the final island was abandoned. Churchill's entire regiment entered the valley base, but it was a trap. The Germans had surrounded them and began closing in on all sides. Artillery fire rained down on them as enemy soldiers poured into the valley. Mad Jack led a desperate last stand, killing two men with his sword after he ran out of ammo. He watched as his men died all around him, falling to gunshots and mortar strikes. He turned to his bagpipes, playing a somber melody, until a grenade blew up next to him. He awoke to prodding by a German soldier who was seeing if anyone was left alive. Of his whole regiment, only 14 members of the commandos had survived. The commanding officer of their captors was Captain Thuner. A week prior, orders had come from old Adolf himself that any elite Allied troops were to be killed on sight, no exceptions. Captain Thuner was a man of honor, however. After meeting Churchill and the surviving commandos, he said, you are a soldier as am I. I refuse to allow these civilian butchers to deal with you. I shall say nothing of having received this order. The Germans sent Mad Jack Churchill to Berlin, believing him to be a relative of Winston Churchill. Once they found out that he had no relation to the British Bulldog, he was placed in solitary confinement for several months. Eventually, he was sent to a concentration camp near Frankfurt. Mad Jack was determined to escape. He and a Royal Air Force officer found an opportunity in an exposed drainage pipe. They broke into it and crawled to freedom. Rumor had it that the Red Army was advancing along the Baltic Sea. So, seeking to rendezvous with Allied forces, that was their destination. They snuck through the German countryside, stealing food from farmhouses and moving mostly at night. They reached Rostock, a German coastal city just a few miles from the Baltic Sea, when they were captured. The Red Army was just over a dozen miles away. Churchill is then sent to a labor camp in Austria. While on a work duty, the lighting system failed. That was the only chance he needed. He fled towards the Alps. Over 150 miles later, on the eighth day of his escape, hobbling along on a sprained ankle, Churchill caught sight of a column of armored vehicles. 
To his delight, their hulls carried the unmistakable white star of the United States Army. Despite his now frail frame and scruffy appearance, he managed to convince the commander of the armored division that he was, in fact, a British officer. By the time Churchill returned to a British unit, Berlin had fallen. Jack made a call to get a German officer moved to a British POW camp to save him from the fate of a Russian POW camp. He said he owed Captain Thuner a favor. With the war in Europe all but over, Churchill briefly returned home to England to see Rosamond. However, Churchill signed up for the first boat heading to the Pacific. Fat Man and Little Boy made their thunderous debut right before Churchill and his men arrived in the Pacific Theater. For a warrior like himself, the end of the fighting was bittersweet. You know, he said to a friend, if it hadn't been for those damned Yanks, we could have kept the war going for another ten years. We still don't know if he was joking. However, the end of World War II did not correspond with the end of Mad Jack's military career. He continued his service, even becoming a paratrooper at the age of 40. He fought in many proxy wars and served a prominent role in the conflict in British Palestine. He later taught at a military training school in Australia, where he became an avid surfer. In his 50s, Mad Jack reluctantly agreed to be promoted to a desk job. He now served as a Ministry of Defense civilian, overseeing the training of cadets in the London district. He never lost his flair for the unusual and the eccentric. Every day, on the London commuter train home, he would stand up and hurl his briefcase out the window, as bystanders gasped. Churchill was actually throwing his briefcase into his own backyard to avoid having to carry it home from the station. I'm sure he smirked every time he did it. Mad Jack Churchill was part of a rare breed whom war is their element. However, the eternal warrior avoided a warrior's death and died peacefully in his home in 1996. The soldier lived to be 89 years old. For a man who ran into battle with a sword and bow while enemies fired at him with rifles and mortars, I'd say he lived longer than he had any right to. Historium is a bi-weekly podcast devoted to telling interesting stories from history. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, follow Historium on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. I'm Jake Barton. Thanks for listening.